0: Morning. Good morning. morning. How's everybody doing? So my name is Song Godoki. My wife and I are the student pastors here at the gate, and yeah. Shout out to Pastor Kathy. She's not here today. She's still in England, but um, we're just so thankful for her leadership. We're thankful for this church, and it's been an amazing day already, hasn't it? Already it's been amazing. God's been moving, and I honestly I just want to stay in the same vein of what the Lord's already been doing today. And so turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. This is a familiar passage to people who have grown up in church, have been around church, but maybe unfamiliar to those who have not. It's a psalm that David wrote. And it says, The Lord. He is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I want to talk about two people outside of Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus, but I'm going to also talk about David and Judas. David and Judas. The title of today's message is Restore Me. Just just, Just shout out to me, Restore Me. Restore Me. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your congregation, to speak to your church. We thank you, Lord, that you have the power to restore. Yeah. And I pray that by the end of this message, by the end of this day, that the people under my sound of my voice will be restored by your power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the whole story of the Bible is about restoration. The whole story of humanity is about restoration. So we start with a perfect Adam and Eve. They lived in harmony. They lived in peace. They loved each other. The winds and the waves were calm. They submitted to God. They walked in the presence of God. They were in his presence. They had no shame. They were obedient. They loved each other. They worked with no sweat. They rested with no stress. They lived in heaven, they lived in Eden, they had everything they needed, but sometimes you can have everything that you need and still want more. You can have everything that you need and still want more. And so they, de- they were deceived into disobeying God and went after something that they didn't need, but they felt like was being withheld from them. And so now they live in chaos. Now they're released sin into the world. Now there are floods and there are earthquakes. Now walking with God is not common. Now they are no longer in the presence of God. Now they are saying Now they are disobedient. Now their children hate each other and try to kill each other. Now they work hard, but they sweat by the brow. Now they have to be told to rest because they're addicted to work. Now they've opened the door to Satan. And now there is a gap. So it takes thousands and thousands of years for God to execute his plan to bring restoration back to the earth. And his plan was this, to send his one and only son to come down and walk perfectly, fulfill the law, die on the cross, be buried in a grave, but raised back up to heaven and send his spirit to live inside of us. So now we can again not only go to heaven when we die, but we can again have heaven. We can have Eden on earth. This is the story of the Bible. This is the story of the gospel. This is the story of restoration. But restoration is not only for the world. Restoration is not only for the church. Restoration is not only for Israel. Restoration is for our soul. Restoration is for our soul. And so, many of us have been waiting for Jesus to come back and restore the earth, restore the world, but we forgot that Jesus is here right now in the form of the Holy Spirit to restore our souls. He's here to restore our souls. So, we live in a time right now that our, our souls are more fragile than they've ever been. More people are dealing with anxiety than ever before. More people are dealing with depression than ever before. More people are committing suicide than ever before. More people are getting divorced than ever before. More people are afraid to be vulnerable because they don't want to be taken advantage of. More people are feeling isolated because they feel like they, can, they can't trust anybody. More people feel exhausted because they feel like they have no time to rest. And David in this song is saying what we need to say. We need restoration. I need God to restore my soul. And so most scholars believe at this point of David's life, he was actually already a king, but he was reflecting back on his time as a shepherd boy to remind himself of the faithfulness of God. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This is not something that is new. This is not something that's been the first time that God's been called a shepherd. God is called a shepherd all throughout the Old Testament. He's called the shepherd in the New Testament as well. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. The writer of the book of Hebrews calls him the great shepherd. First Peter calls Jesus the shepherd and the overseer of our soul. This is not new news, but it is good news, because it's saying that there is another being, there's another entity that is in control of things, that can see things I can't see, that can do things I can't do, that is in control of my soul. And I just have to be okay with letting the shepherd be the shepherd, and I have to be the sheep, because when I try to shepherd my own soul, then I end up lost. He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. And then he says, I shall not want, I shall not want. There is nothing inherently wrong with wanting. I want you to hear that. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting, but when our wanting takes precedence over our needs, not only will we be led astray, we will never be satisfied. So our wanting, like if our wanting, if we just give in to everything that we want without filtering through the Holy Spirit and the word of God, then we end up destroying ourselves. The book of Proverbs says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death." It might seem right, 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 right now, but it leads to death. It might feel good right now, but it leads to death. That's right. So the Bible says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart." What I mean that, what I believe that means, is this: when you spend time in the presence of God. He changes your wants to his wants. And so you start wanting what he wants. I shall not want anything the Holy Spirit doesn't want from me. Amen? So your flesh might want you to quit your job, but the Holy Spirit's telling you to stay. Or you might want to move to New York or to Florida, and the Holy Spirit's telling you to move to Texas. You might want to stay, but the Holy Spirit's telling you to leave. Preach. Preach. You might want that last piece of cake. But I shall not want. Somebody just say, I shall not want. I shall not want. I had to say that last night. I shall not want. <laughs> and then David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. He makes me. Has God ever made you do something? Has God ever made you rest? What I found out in my life is when I go and go and go and go, and I don't listen to the Holy Spirit's voice to rest, He will make me rest. He will make me rest. Either I get sick or plans get canceled, something happens to where I have to rest and I'm just sitting there in bed like, man, I should have just listened to God. I should have just listened. He makes me rest. You cannot have restoration without rest. You cannot have restoration without rest. And some of you have souls that are so exhausted, and you just keep on going and going and going and going you think things are just going to get better, but really it's ending in destruction. You have to rest and let your soul have restoration. There is a reason that God commanded us to rest. We think it's just something in the Old Testament that it's just one of the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments are there to show us our brokenness and why we need Jesus. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he says, come to me, come to me all who are weary, come to me all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you what? Rest for your soul. Rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Write this down. You cannot have restoration without rest, and you cannot have true rest without Jesus. You cannot have restoration without rest, and you cannot have true rest without Jesus. You can try a family vacation. You can try a couple's vacation without the kids. You can try staycation. You can try taking off work for two weeks, you can try sleeping for two days, but all that will give you is temporary rest for your soul and body. It will not give you lasting rest that only comes from Jesus. Jesus makes me rest, Jesus leads me to rest, Jesus is my rest, and I cannot have true rest without Jesus. And when I let Jesus lead me to rest, then I end up in a green pasture. I end up in a fruitful place, a place where I have everything that I need, I have everything that I want. It's a green pasture. So instead of sweating by the brow, I'm lying down in a green pasture. Sometimes God does more when I rest than he does when I'm working. He does that to remind me that he's the shepherd and I'm the sheep. He's the shepherd, and I'm the sheep. I need you to get that in your mind today. And then he leads me beside the still waters. Still waters. Shout out to OSU. Still waters. (laughs) Have to throw that in there. That's from the Holy Spirit, y'all. The Holy Spirit leads me to the rivers of living water. So a place where I can both quench my my thirst and simultaneously my sins are getting washed. The rivers of living water the rivers of living water, a place where the waters aren't threatening my life, like a hurricane or a tsunami, but they're there for my enjoyment. And I have everything I need around me. I have as much water as I want. I can give out water, I can give out things because I live in a place that's fruitful. I live in a place that has water flowing. I can live here. One of the first things that scientists do when they're looking at planets is they look for a water source. They look for a water source because if there's water, that means there can be sustainable life. But if there is no water, there cannot be sustainable life. We need water to survive. We can survive for a while without food. We can survive for a while without shelter, but we cannot survive without water. We need water. And so here's what I want to stay for a little bit. David says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. My soul is in need of constant restoration. Constant restoration. Jesus said, give me this day my daily bread. So he's referring to something that happened in the Old Testament when the Israelites received the manna, right? Some of us know this. I believe an ingredient of daily bread is restoration. It gives you restoration. So every single day, I need the Lord to restore my soul. Every single day. Every single day, I have the opportunity to get offended. Every single day, I have the opportunity to get overlooked. Every single day, I have the opportunity to get exhausted. Every single day, I have the opportunity to get wounded. Every single day, I have the opportunity to get angry. Every single day, I have the opportunity for my soul to be broken, I need the Lord to to restore it. My soul is precious cargo. It's precious cargo. So my soul is in between my flesh and my spirit. And so on one side, I have my spirit leading me, my, the Holy Spirit leading me to whatever the God wants me to have. And on the other side, I have my flesh leading me to whatever gives me temporary pleasure, whatever gives me temporary comfort. And so it's a constant battle in my soul, a constant battle in my soul. Every single day, my soul is at battle. And when your soul is constantly at battle, you need constant restoration, constant restoration restoration, and David knew his soul needed restoration. David fought lions and bears to protect his sheep. David was constantly overlooked and rejected by his family. David had to run from somebody that was trying to kill him that should have been trying to protect him. David lost his best friend in battle violently. David had an affair with a married woman. David had that married woman's husband killed. David got that married woman pregnant. David had to mourn the loss of that married woman, or or mourn the loss of that baby after fasting for seven days. David had to fight his own son to keep his throne. David said, I've been through too much. I've been through too much trauma. I've seen too much drama. I've been through too many things. Lord, I need you to restore my soul. I need you to restore my soul. And some of you just need to say this because you have been to, through too many things in the past couple years, in the past several years, where you just keep on trying to go and go and go, and God needs to restore your soul. You need to say, God, restore my soul, restore my soul, restore my soul, restore my soul, Restore.'" My soul. restore my Restore my soul. Restore my soul. Are y'all with me? Restore my soul. Lord, restore my mind because I feel crazy. Lord, restore my will because I feel paralyzed. Restore my peace because I have anxiousness. Restore my joy because I feel depressed. Lord, restore me, restore me, restore me. This should be a daily prayer. And what I mean by restore is to make me more like Jesus. Make me more like Jesus. So Jesus was and is perfect in every way. Jesus was and is emotionally healthy. But Jesus, even Jesus, needed restoration. Even Jesus needed restoration. So Jesus, Jesus would, the Bible would say things about Jesus like this. Oftentimes he goes off into the wilderness to pray. Why did he have to go into the wilderness to pray? Because he needed restoration. He needed to meet with his father to give him restoration. He had to get away from the crowd. He had to get away from the people and he had to receive restoration. The first thing he did after he got baptized, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and then he was tempted by Satan. And then what happened? The angels came and restored him. Even Jesus needed restoration. That means you need restoration. Come on. You need restoration. So Jesus did not only need restoration, but he became a restoration. He became our restoration. So Jesus would say things like this Do you want to be made whole? Yes. Do you want to be made whole? So the question isn't whether or not I can make you whole. The question is whether or not you're going to humble yourself and receive it. Oh my, my, my. Do you want to be made whole? So, in just a second, I'm going to go to Mark 6. Mark 6. Because the problem with many of us is that we don't want to acknowledge that we need restoration. In James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So your soul is broken, but your mouth won't allow you to be healed because you won't admit it. Go with me to Mark six. So it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They ask, what's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus was in his hometown. I don't know if any of you have ever had somebody come from your hometown that like makes it, they become like a celebrity or something. But when they come back to to the hometown, me personally, I'm like, hey man, I saw you on TV. Oh, congrats, whatever. You know, like I'm gonna give them honor. Jesus was in his hometown where he should have been welcomed, where he should have been honored, where he should have been received where there were broken people who needed him. But because they were too familiar with them, they could not receive the restoration that they needed. They thought because they knew him, they didn't need him. They thought because they knew him, they didn't need him. They thought because, well, I I know he was a carpenter. I, I know his brothers. I know his mama. I know everybody around him. I know Jesus. But just because you know Jesus doesn't mean you don't need Jesus. They thought because they saw a a few aspects of Jesus, they've seen all of Jesus. They thought they've they've seen all of him, but Jesus didn't even let that dictate him. He was like, who I am is not predicated on who you see. Who I am is not predicated on who you see. And and I I really feel like this is a word for some people because some people are, are trying to prove yourself to people. You're trying to prove yourself to your boss, you're trying to prove yourself to your friends, you're trying to prove yourself to everybody on social media, but some of you just need to say who I am is not predicated on who you see. You might might not see the gifts inside of me, you might not see what I can do, you might not see what I can bring, but it doesn't matter because who I am is not predicated on who you see. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Just because you don't see that I'm the Messiah doesn't mean I'm not. It just means that you're not going to receive it. It means you're not going to receive the restoration that you need. Who I am is not predicated on who you see. And could it be that the church in 2022 has gotten too familiar with Jesus? Could it be that the church has gotten too familiar with Jesus, too accustomed to Jesus, too comfortable with Jesus, to the point where we don't even even welcome his restoration into our lives? We just get offended when he tries. We don't welcome welcome his restoration in our lives. So we look down on people who don't have Jesus, but simultaneously we're keeping them at an arm's distance so he doesn't work in our souls. Which one is it? We need the restoration of Jesus in our lives. We need the restoration of Jesus in our lives. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church all your life. It doesn't matter if you know every single verse in the Bible. You need just Jesus every single day to restore your soul. You can go to church every Sunday. You can be a small group leader. It does not matter. We need Jesus constantly to restore our souls. And we get too familiar with him, we will act like we don't need him. And they get offended by people who don't have them. Are are y'all with me? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus to the point where he can point out the areas in your life that need restoration, you need to reevaluate your relationship. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus to the point where he can point out areas in your life that need restoration, then you need to reevaluate your your relationship. He said that he was amazed at their lack of faith. The only time I remember Jesus being amazed is about faith. It's when he was amazed at the centurion's faith because he had so much faith. And now he's amazed that his hometown people, his homegrown folks who don't have any faith. I don't want Jesus to be amazed at my lack of faith. That's right. I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to be amazed at my lack of faith. He was amazed, like amazed, Jesus knows everything, but he's still amazed at their lack of faith. God. Oh my, my. Um. So I've known for a couple of weeks that I, that I have to speak today, <clears throat> but I wanted to wait until this past week to prepare because I knew Pastor Jay was going to be preaching last week and we're in this sermon series and we have some master communicators. So I was like, I don't want to say the same word. I want to preach about the same word. There's a lot of rewords in the Bible. I don't want to preach on the same one, you know, so let I me mean, wait to see what he preaches on. And then, you know, I'll preach on something else. But I didn't realize that this week was going to be incredibly difficult to prepare. Incredibly difficult. my My full-time job has been getting increasingly... Um, harder to do throughout the day; it takes a lot more time. And then we also have Gate Student Ministries, where we had our very first talent show, which went amazing, by the way. Shout out to Gay <laughs> Student Ministries; it was, it was a lot of fun, but it took a lot of preparation. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of energy. And then I have my family, of course, that you know needs me as well. And so, Shari did. It. My, my Shari is my wife, and she did everything she could to allow me time to prepare every night. But by the time I got to the computer every single night, I was exhausted to the point where I was waking up early, going to sleep late, drinking multiple coffees a day, which is not normal for me. I do drink coffee, but not that much. And she just kept on saying, why don't you just rest? Why don't you just rest? And I'm like, I can't rest because I don't have any other time during this week to prepare. And and of course, the Holy Spirit speaking through Sade. Shout out to the husbands and the wives here. He, he tells me, why don't you just practice what you're preaching? Let the Lord, let me restore you. And so I decided to rest more than I normally would before I prepared to preach. And um, it was amazing because God restored me. He restored my body, he restored my mind, he restored my soul. I was restored, but it takes faith to say, God, I know I can do more. I know I can work harder. I know I could sleep less, but Lord, instead of doing that, I'm going to have faith in you. I'm going to let you restore me. I'm going to let you restore me. God created this earth in seven days, and in every single day, he said it was good, except for the day that he rested, he said it was holy. Every other day he said it was good. The day he rested, he said it was holy. So it becomes a holy day, a holiday. We have to take our holy day seriously. We have to rest and let our souls restore. Are you with me? Yes. We need re- restoration every single day. It's not a, a a yearly thing that we only get on Easter. It's not a monthly thing. It's not a weekly thing. Every Sunday, restoration is needed every single day. But restoration is not just for our brokenness. Restoration is for our sinfulness. Restoration is not just for our brokenness. Restoration is for our sinfulness. So one of the greatest examples of rejecting the restoration of Jesus is Judas. So Judas was a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is the son of David. So we we start with David, we come to the son of David. And Jesus has an entourage. Jesus prays all night to pick his disciples. And one of them that he chooses is Judas. So Judas was not a mistake. Judas was not a mistake. The Bible says that Judas became a traitor. So that's not how he started. We all have free will. Every single every single person in here, under the sound of my voice, watching online, has free will. Judas chose to be a traitor. It wasn't like he just was compelled to and he had to. No, he chose to become that. So Judas was okay with being around the restoration of Jesus, but he didn't let Jesus restore his soul. Turn with me to John 12. John 12. I'm going to read six short verses. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So it started with a greedy heart. It started with a greedy heart. So what was in his heart eventually came out of his mouth. And then his actions... Because he didn't let the restoration of Jesus transform his soul. He didn't let the restoration of Jesus transform his soul. So Jesus was famous at this point. Everybody knew who Jesus was. And everywhere he went, there was a crowd. And so Jesus was a part of an inner circle, basically of a celebrity. Just imagine hanging out with the most famous person that you know right now. Some people think one person is famous. Some people think other people aren't famous. So I'm not going to say any names. But just imagine the most famous person that you know. And imagine being in that entourage. There are some benefits of being in that entourage. Judas had all the benefits of being a follower of Christ, but had no real transformation in his life. He had all the benefits of being a follower of Christ, but he had no real transformation in his life. And I think many of us are okay with going to church every week, being around his presence, bringing around his restoration, But we're not tapping into it and letting it transform us the way that Jesus wants to. He wants to transform us. Judas did not let Jesus restore his soul. Can I go a little bit deeper with Judas? So in John 13, the next chapter, somebody say the next chapter. Verse 21, it says, now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? It's funny because Peter didn't just say, who are you talking about, Jesus? He said, you ask him who's, who he's talking about. <laughs> so that, that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it's the one whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas... Son of Simon Iscariot, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus told him, hurry up and do what you're going to do. So since since Judas didn't let Jesus work in his soul, the darkness of Satan did. Satan entered him. So when you don't let Jesus work in you, things you think you are hiding can turn into demons. So the greed of Judas was the door that let the devil in. He said, "Oh, come on, come right here. This is, this is for you. Go ahead." So I, I believe Jesus probably at this point knew that Judas, like Judas was stealing money, obviously, but sometimes Jesus won't heal what you think you're hiding, what you think you're hiding. Judas didn't let Jesus restore him, and so the darkness eventually killed him. So what, he was, what we, he was hiding tormented him. The guilt, the shame tormented him to the point where it killed him. So remember this, sin unchecked becomes demons untamed, and suddenly what you thought you had control over has control over you. Sin unchecked becomes demons untamed, and suddenly what you thought you had control over has control over you. Don't be Judas to Jesus. I think many of us think we're better than Judas. We think we're better than Judas. I know I used to think that. I wouldn't do what Judas did. But we do that all the time. When we reject his restoration for our lives, we are being just like Judas. Judas did something similar to Jesus that Peter did. Peter denied him, but Peter later on received, received his restoration, and Peter became one of the first apostles. He became the first person to actually preach about Jesus because he received the restoration of him. But Judas rejected that restoration. He let his wants overtake him. So in in uh, Psalms one thirty nine, it says, "Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." I'm gonna ask the worship team to go ahead and come up. I believe we reject Jesus more than we think we do. We get in this mode of just working, of just living, of just having life. And at the same time, we're not listening to the Holy Spirit inside of us that wants to restore us constantly because we think we can do it by ourselves. We think we can be our own shepherd We think that it's okay just to be a follower of Jesus, but if we're not letting that restoration transform our lives, we are not being like David who let God restore his soul. We're being like Judas who rejected him. David was not a saint. David did all kinds of crazy things, but David also had crazy things happen to him. And some of you need restoration. I really feel that some of you need restoration for the things that happened to you. There's been some things that have been happening to you that have been unfair. Maybe you were overlooked, maybe you were harmed, maybe you were rejected constantly. And so that anxiousness and that depression didn't just come out of nowhere, it, becomes, it comes from something that happened. And so maybe the restoration isn't your fault, that you need it, but you still need it. And many of us who grow up in church, we don't like to admit that we need the restoration of Jesus. We like to give it to other people. We like to pray for other people. We'll be quick to lay hands on somebody else. But when it comes to ourselves, I'm not letting him work in my soul. And so we have broken people doing broken things. We have broken people who have Jesus, but still have the same traits of somebody in the world. So there's just as much pride in the church than there is in the world. There's just as much greed in the church that there is in the world. Because we're not letting Jesus restore our soul. What's the point of having the savior of the whole world inside of us if we don't use him, if we don't let him access our lives. What's the point? What's the point of having the Savior, the the creator of the world, living inside of us if he doesn't transform us? Until we all die, we will need his restoration every single day because we are not perfect. We are not perfect. We never will be perfect until Jesus comes back and restores the world and restores us, our souls completely. And then we're in heaven. Then we're w- with Jesus. We're again in Eden. But until that day comes, I need his restoration every single day. I need him. And I believe that there's two specific people that I need to pray for today. One is the people who need to be restored because of brokenness. They need to be restored because of brokenness. Some people need to choose to be the sheep. Like you need to choose to be the sheep. You've been trying to be the shepherd of your own soul, but because you're trying to be the shepherd of your own soul, you're broken. And so you're trying to control everything. You're trying to lead everything. You want your hands on everything. But it takes faith to say, God, I let go and I let you be the shepherd. You need to admit that you need help. Some people, it's very hard to admit that they need help. That, is, that, that may not be your fault. That may be because of the way you grew up. Maybe because of something that happened to you. But it ju- doesn't change the fact that God wants to be your shepherd. And he will be your shepherd if you let him. Most of the people Jesus healed, he healed because they acknowledged that they needed him. So you have to humble yourself. To say, Lord, I need you. These same people, maybe you're overworking yourself. You're just, you're working and working and working and working. You say, I don't have time to rest. But really what you're doing is you're avoiding being alone with your thoughts. You're avoiding being alone with your soul. And God says, I want to restore you. Stand up with me. The the second people I want to pray for are the people who need to be restored because of their sinfulness. And so maybe because of things that you did, you're harboring shame. You're just hiding things. And I'm not asking you to go and tell the world about what what you've been doing or what you've been dealing with, but I am asking you to tell God because he already knows, newsflash. He already knows. But it's so releasing, it's so freeing. When you say, God, I know I'm not perfect. Just imagine if Judas said, you know what, Jesus, I've been stealing money. I've been stealing money. I've been stealing money from you. I've been stealing money from my friends. And I pray that you forgive me. What do you think Jesus would have did? The same thing he would have did for the woman that was caught in prostitution. He would have restored him. It doesn't matter what you have done. Jesus here is here to restore you. To restore your soul. And he doesn't just restore you to restore you. He restores you to lead you. He restores you to lead you, to lead you in the path of righteousness. So our restoration isn't just for us to sit down in it and just receive it and feel good. No, no, no. God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. He needs you to do things. He needs you to be places. He needs you to talk to people. He needs you to pray for people. He needs you, but he doesn't want a broken person helping broken people. He needs a restored person to bring the restoration of Jesus to other people. And so I'm gonna pray for those two groups of people and I want us just to worship for a little bit together and then I'll close. So whether you're watching online or you're here in person, just close your eyes with me. God, I thank you so much for the power of restoration. I thank you, Jesus, for becoming our restoration. We thank you, Lord, that you have the power to restore. And God, only you know the things that have been happening to the people under the sound of my voice that have caused the brokenness, that have caused them to bleed on people, that have caused other people to have to walk on eggshells around them. And just like you've already been doing in this service, I pray, God, that you'll restore them. Restore them. Restore them. I pray, Lord, that you will touch the broken places. That you'll go back to the, the root of things and remove the root so they're not just removing fruit. I pray that there'll be lasting change. That Lord, if you need them to continue to walk things out with a Christian therapist or somebody to talk to or a pastor, that they'll do that, that they'll continue to have the the work in their soul done. But I believe Lord, you can also do it right now instantly. You can restore their soul. And Lord, I pray for the people who need restoration for sinfulness whether they haven't been following you at all, and they've just been doing their own thing, or they have been following you, but they've been hiding things to keep away from you. Lord, we wanna be like David. We wanna be like Peter. We don't wanna be like Judas. We know that we're not perfect. We know that there's, there's nothing we can do to become perfect, but we know, Lord, that there are things inside of us that you can restore, that you can heal, that you can forgive, that will give us the power and the grace to move forward. I pray that you'll wash away our sins. Take us to the the waters, the, the rivers of living water, Lord, and restore our soul. Cleanse our sins and help us to move forward. Take away the shame. We don't wanna be like Adam and Eve and cover up ourselves, Lord. We, were, we open up ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so let's just worship a little bit together and I want the Holy Spirit just to speak to you. If you're in one of those two prayers, just speak to you and minister to you and I'll release you in just a second. Thank you worship oh, team Thank you, God, that you are more than enough, that you can fill us up to the point that we're not having to withhold from other people, that we can flow out, we can speak life, we can be around people and be a light to them. You, we thank you, God, for restoring our souls. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us to the path of righteousness. In Jesus' name, Prayer teams, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up. Um, for anybody who might need more prayer, maybe you need to somebody to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you need to do that. They're going to be there to pray with you. But for everybody else, if you, if you want to stay in worship, you can stay in worship. But for everybody else, you're released. We bless you. We thank you for coming, and we'll see you next week.